Acts 24, verse 10. This is the holy word of our holy God. When the governor had nodded for him, Paul, to speak, Paul responded, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. Since you can take note of the fact that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship, neither in the temple nor in the synagogues nor in the city itself did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot, nor can they prove to you the charges of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection both of the righteous and of the wicked. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience both before God and before men. Now after several years I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings, in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation if they should have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council, other than for this one statement which I shouted out while standing among them, for the resurrection of the dead I am on trial before you today. But Felix having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom, and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul, and therefore he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus in wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. Amen. Let me, let's pray. Lord God, you have inspired your holy prophets and your holy apostles to record your very words, Almighty God, both law and gospel, both the things which are painful to hear and the things which are pleasant to hear. I pray in light of the solemnity of the subject matter which you have placed in your word this morning, the judgment to come, that you would guide me, thou my great Jehovah, the words of my lips, the meditation of my heart, all would be according to scripture and pleasing in your sight, beneficial to your people. Holy God, take away the natural enmity we have to your great authority over us and cause us to be submissive children, receiving even these truths to your glory and honor and our sole benefit. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, is my lapel mic on? It's working? Everything's working? Okay. Um, Good. I want to bring in a little bit of the context of what brings us up to today's passage, just in case you weren't here last week. In last week, we began, as I said, the trial of the Apostle Paul. He's had a couple of trials prior to that before the Jews, 
a group of Jews, and then the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling um, body of the Jews. And now here he has his third trial before Felix, the governor of Judea, who's at um, Caesarea. And what we were looking at last week, and I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing today, is I'm trying to find out the main doctrine of each specific portion of uh, scripture that we take. Because the themes are so redundant, it's the extension of the gospel from Jew to Gentile. And rather than every single week preaching and the kingdom goes forth and the kingdom goes forth, which is true, I'm looking for those things which are unique in the passage, but it's fundamental to the passage. And so what we saw, uh, doctrine, by the way, just means teaching, so it's not a bad thing. It's a teaching. So what we saw last time together, we said that man, unconverted man, um, the non-Christian person, the person without the Holy Spirit, they are putting Jesus Christ or God in Christ on trial. And we made the connection with putting the Apostle Paul, who is the spokesman of the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes in the name of Christ. He comes with the word of Christ. That's what it means to put Christ on trial. So unconverted man puts God in Christ on trial via Christ's servant. And the verdict of unconverted man concerning trying God, just think that, trying God. Or unconverted man putting Jesus Christ on trial. That's what the previous passage was. And what's the verdict of non-Christian unconverted man when they're presented with holy God, holy God in Christ? What's the verdict? Guilty. Christ is guilty. Christ comes up lacking in the estimation of unbelieving men. They say God is not the God of the, the God of the Bible is not the only God that is, that the Christ of the Bible is not the way, the truth, and the life, that sin is not sin. You see what I'm getting at? So unbelieving man says what God says is right, they say is wrong. What God says is wrong, they say is right. That's today. Our brothers said, what's marriage? What's the country say marriage is? And what's the country say? When does life begin? We don't need to look far to find unbelieving man putting God on trial and finding against God or ruling against God. Now today's sermon is the counterpart of that. God the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to tell people that are putting God on trial that ultimately it will not be unconverted man that puts, puts God on trial. Ultimately, it will be God who puts all men on trial. That's the connection. God on trial, man putting God on trial, and this passage really, what, what it's verse 25, the judgment to come, that is God putting all human beings on trial. And ultimately, it won't be the word of man against God that will prevail. And ultimately, it will be God against man, and God will prevail. So, there are passages I really look forward to preaching that I can't wait to like go to bed at Saturday and wake up and just because it's so fun. This is not one of those passages. And I am a book preacher. In other words, I start in the book, Acts 1, and I plow through. Um, or in the evening series, we're numbers. I start in Numbers chapter 1, verse 1, and I plow through. That's just my methodology. I do that because that's how the Holy Spirit inspired the Word. And also because I know myself. I have my favorite hobby horses, things I like and things I don't like in the Bible. And so if I was a topical preacher, I'd hopscotch around. Today we're going to do love, and tomorrow we're going to do finances, and after that we're going to do health. 
Well, that's not how God the Holy Spirit writes the Bible. God the Holy Spirit writes the Bible like this. And so if you're going to be a book preacher, you can't dodge the hard things. I can't dodge this. And so the fundamental doctrine of this passage is found in um, when he says, uh, verse 25, the judgment which is to come. The primary doctrine of this passage that I want to focus in on is what I would call um, uh, judgment day. Now, when I mention judgment day, obviously I'm in a Christian church and preaching to professing Christians. I'll tell you something that I think you already know. I am only 59. I've only been born again since I was, what, 26? But I was raised in, a, in the Roman Catholic Church. So I've only known Christians of some stripe, primarily, before I... Maybe, I don't know, 25 years ago, maybe? I would say, if we were to go back in time just a little bit as professing Christians... I would say almost all professing Christians, Bible-believing professing Christians, a, a little bit ago, 10, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that we all believed in Judgment Day. We just, it, the Bible says it, judgments have come, and we believed it. But I'm going to say something else as well, not to dispirit any of us. I don't believe that we're at those days anymore. I believe that we are in days when the love of many in the church... <laughs> In the church has grown cold, because Jesus says it, it has, and the, the lawlessness has increased. That's in the church, not specifically in the world. And I believe that in the church now, this doctrine of judgment, there will be a day when we all will give an account to King Christ and will be judged, either to hear, come ye blessed, or depart ye cursed. There are gobs of people right now that say, I am a Christian. They don't believe this at all. I have people in my family. This is not my God. If this is God, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Well, here's the jam. This is God. And if you don't have anything to do with this God, if you die in that estate against this God, you will find that he is against you. That's this. If you die reconciled to this God, you will find that he's reconciled to you throughout all eternity. So denying the reality of this because we live in lukewarm times doesn't make it so. This is, in, this, is, this is a clear teaching of the Holy Spirit. Because we live in the last days, even the last hour, the Apostle John says, and we live in times of apostasy where a great many professing Christians have fallen away from the truth of God's word, people don't, professing Christians don't believe clear truths of the Bible. Judgment Day the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ, the holiness of, the, the, of life that we're called to. And there's an influence of the world on the New Testament church that mitigates against receiving this. And it's not just people in the Arminian camp, whatever that is, or the Calvinist camp. Um, there's a famous preacher. I'm not going to mention his name, but I'll mention the counterpart. That just recently, this past week, had a little, I guess, podcast. Everybody does podcasts now. This famous preacher, who is fabulous, was asked a question by a grandmother, should, my, should I go to my transgender son's wedding? Tell me what's the Christian response. And he, I think this fellow was talking with Vodi Bauckham. And the fellow says, this is going to surprise you, but you should go. 
and ask him, does he know you're a Christian? Does he know that you're against this? And, but then if he does, you go and then you buy them both a wedding gift. And then he said, because we want to make uh, bridges to the unbelievers. We want to reach out to the unbelievers and we don't want the unbelievers to think that we're narrow and mean-spirited. This guy is a rock star. I could not hold this guy's bags. That's this. That is, the, that is we live, and I'm not picking. It's easy to criticize. It's hard to do. I will just say, this guy has done so much good for the kingdom of Christ, it's easy for me to go pow, 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 pow. And I wouldn't classify his whole ministry by one failure, but that's a failure, a big failure. And similarly, people would say, well, you can't really affirm Judgment Day because of what would it say? That we're narrow, that we believe in hard things. You could apply that argument to every truth in the Bible, right? So when we look here, and we are affirming simple, clear truth, but beloved, there are tons of Christians, and even really smart Christians, that because of the world, the flesh, and the devil, they will say no to this. I will say this. We are to follow man only insofar as they follow who? Christ Jesus. Our brother this morning talked on J.C. Ryle and said J.C. Ryle is great and J.C. Ryle had some things wrong and some other things. Of course, that's true. We follow people, their teaching, only insofar as they follow the Bible. And where they come up short, we have to say respectfully brother, respectfully father in the faith. I disagree on that. So that's what we're coming to. We're coming to Judgment Day. I want to do two things. Who knows what we'll get through. I want to look at the reality that there is a Judgment Day. And then I want to look at, I want to define what it is and describe what it is just a little bit. And then this passage is really God's provision in this life for future Judgment Day. And what I mean by that is God's answer for people who are under the wrath of God for their sins, is the gospel. So the Apostle Paul talks about judgment day. We're not there yet. That's future. That's after we die in, 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 in the eternal estate. The answer for that is to prepare to flee from the wrath to come, to run out of Sodom and flee to the city of res- refuge, which is Jesus Christ. So God introduces the subject of Judgment Day, not as some cudgel to beat us into their act. You should be terrified and walk around. We should be terrified. But the terror is not to drive us to the dust. The terror is to drive us to Christ. This is a Galatians chapter 3. He uses the reality of the law as a schoolmaster to drive us to Jesus. We don't have to be damned for our sins because there's one who's paid for our sins. So the truth of Judgment Day and the truth of the gospel. We're not dead yet, beloved. All the time people say, what about such and so? They're dead. What about your, my mother and father are gone. What about mom? What about dad? They're gone. When they go, they go. My job is to proclaim the gospel to the living before we're gone. Today is the day. Today is the time in which we prepare for the judgment seat of Christ. That, that, that's what we're going to look at. So let's just look at... Um, Let's look at the reality of, um, of uh, Judgment Day. Let's just look at the reality of that. As we mentioned, Paul brings it up by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse uh, uh, 25, the judgment which is to come. 
in um, verses what? I think um, 14, 15, 16, 17. There are three parties that, or participants on the day of judgment, two of which are mentioned before us uh, this morning. Paul speaks about keeping, keeping a good conscience before God and before men. Those are two of the three parties on Judgment Day. The three parties at Judgment Day will be the judge, God, or specifically God and Christ as judge. And then you have two moral agents that will stand before God and Christ and be judged. And the only kind of creatures that are moral angels, uh, uh, agents are angels and men. The Bible says that unholy angels will be judged by King Christ. Those angels that didn't keep their state of integrity and they fell when Satan swept the third of the angels, a third of the stars out of heaven in his rebellion against Christ. Christ is going to judge them. Let's leave the, the judgment of angels aside. But the other participant uh, at, on the day of judgment will be men. And it will be all men irrespective of whether you believe in God, the God of the Bible, or you're not. All people will be before God, God in Christ, as judge on Judgment Day. Simple stuff of the scripture. If you're a Bible believer, this is going to be a plain vanilla sermon, I promise. And when we look at the judge himself, which, which will be God, when Paul says, and he implies, that we'll be before God as the judge on the last day, I want you to, again... When Paul says God, he means the God of the Bible. This, again, will reveal the age of apostasy in which we live in the church. If you ask professing Christians, what about the good Hindu, the good Buddhist, the good Muslim? Can they all go to heaven their good, their good old ways? Are there many ways to heaven? Ask lots of Christians that. And what will they tell you? Oh, yeah. 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 The good ones will go. What does Jesus say? I am the way. The truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. What does the Bible say? Shema, O God, hear, O Israel. The Lord thy God is what? One God. So when Paul says, we're going to be before God, there is only one God. 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. So all of the other gods of all of the other peoples, this is the... the, This is the offense of our holy religion. I'm not... Do we do this to provoke people? No, but this is the truth. The Bible says there are demons. They're not gods. You tell that to a person who believes in a demon and thinks it's a god, that's fighting words. They're not happy with you. But our goal is not to make unbelieving men happy with us. Our goal is to glorify our God in Christ and to present the truth before the unbeliever before they come to this day. So when, when Paul says we're going to stand before God, he means the God of the Bible. Scripture teaches us that God is. And what else teaches us that God is? Creation. This is a Romans chapter 1, 18 to the end. The whole creation says that the God of the Bible is the true and the living God. And I want to read a little bit, because this will help us when we think about, so if we're going to stand before the judge, we like right now, everybody who watches news, there's all these Mickey Mouse trials going on. Beloved, the trial that awaits us in the future, we will not be standing before finite and fallen man. It won't be the imaginations of fallen man that will be the standard. It will be God. And it will be his standard, which is the law of God. 
So who is this God that we will be before? All of us, everyone in this room will be before this judge. Let me read a summary from our um, catechism, how we understand, summary of the Bible, what we understand about God and, and apply this to God as our judge. What is God? This, if you know your Bible, every proposition that I'm going to read is Bible. God is spirit, John chapter 4. In and of himself, infinite in being, glory, blessedness, perfection, all-sufficient, eternal, ready? Unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present, think of that as far as judgment, almighty, knowing all things. Think of that as regards to the judge and you or me standing before the judge. He knows everything. He's most wise and he's holy and he's just. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. All true. How many gods are there? There is one God. Three persons in one God. Mystery, but the stuff of the Bible. Now, I want to give us two scripture passages that confirm for us that every human being will stand before God as judge on, on Judgment Day. And the reason I'm going to do New Testament passages, I could multiply proofs. Hundreds of proofs regarding Judgment Day. The reason I'm going to do the New Testament proofs is this. This is not true in the Reformed Church, but maybe outside of the Reformed Church. Sometimes people fall into this error, professing Christians. Oh, in the Old Testament, God was kind of angry and mean, and he wrote angry, mean, hard things. But when you come to the New Testament, he only writes really nice, pleasant things. Beloved, that's like the, the, the heresy of Marcion, and he was a flaming heretic. There, there are not two gods. There's not the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. God is one, and God is immutably perfect. He does not change. There's law in the Old Testament. There's gospel in the Old Testament. There's law in the New Testament. There's gospel in the New Testament. And the Bible says in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 10, if you trample on the blood of Christ, what awaits you? It is a terrifying thing, because our God is a consuming fire. And the only thing is to wait vengeance. So I'm going to use New Testament proofs Lest a Christian say, oh, no, 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 Pastor John, you're talking about judgment. New Testament God doesn't have judgment. Romans 14, 10. Why do you judge your brother? Or again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. James 4, 12. There is one lawgiver, one judge, one who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? That's God. So the God that will judge us is God. No one is beside this God. He knows everything. The Bible says even the secrets of our hearts will be revealed. Our secret words will be revealed. Now, as a 59-year-old guy, now the younger kids do stuff that like, they're not ashamed of. They just do it out, like say it loud and say it proud. They just, they're doing it. And they don't, they don't bob and weave and try to get... Try not to get caught. Well, in my generation, you knew enough to try to not get caught. <laughs> you were still doing the same thing, but you just didn't want people to know it because you knew it was bad. Now it goes from like, I don't want to do it because it's bad. I don't want anyone to see me. I'm going to do it. And now it's not even bad anymore. I'm going to do it out in the open. But beloved, all of the secret sin that we don't want people to catch us because we're so afraid of people catching us, Everything is done under the nose of God. Think of that. Think of that. 
all of the WW don't look at the, the girl that's not your wife thing that everybody uses? Think of that. God's watching it. And he's three times holy, which means he hates sin. That's the... This, this, this is... As I was working through this, I'm thinking, this is a horrible truth. It is a horrible truth. This is the God that's our judge. He's everywhere present, means every sin we do is right in front of him. He knows everything. You're not hiding anything from him. And he is holy. He is holy, which means he hates sin. That's the God who's going to judge us. Now, when we talk about in judgment which is to come, he's referring to, again, the language is judgment day. Time is a construct, is a creaturely, God has created time. And God uses time for his own purposes. But there's coming a time (laughs) when it won't be the way that it is now. It's kind of timeless time. I can, you and I can say words like eternality or infinitude or immensity, that there's boundless time, boundless space. We can use those words. I might even be able to say a few words on that. But we're creatures. No beginning, no end. How does that work? Fills everything at the same time. He's everywhere. The immensity of God. How does that work? When we come here to time, and timeless time is a mind blower. But God uses time to bring Adam into the world, then we have the fall, and then he uses time to bring Christ in the first time, and then to bring him back the second time. And when Christ returns on the second time, that's the judgment day. And then time will be no more, the way that we understand it. So judgment day will come about on a real day. Now, some of us are raised in whatever I was raised and we're at a Reformed church or you're a dispensational church. So I was other, in my Christian path, I've been a bunch of different kind of Christians. <laughs> They're still Christians. They're Baptists and all this kind of stuff. But I used to watch like I left behind all that stuff. So we hold a different eschatological position. They're still our brothers in Jesus. And what you find in those movies is like the guy shaving and his wife and kids are in the, and then all of a sudden like the shaver is in the, the sink and he's gone. His, full, his clothes are folded. Um, I don't know why they're folded, but they're folded, and, he, and he's gone. It's, it's going to be real time. It will be a day. It will be an hour. And th- th- there's really going to be real trumpet blasts, and the glorified angels will come back with the glorified Jesus Christ, and it's done. And my point with that is this, is, and I'll apply this to ourselves. Let's think about this personally. So at 59 years old, so if it, well, you, before you're 59, I don't know when it is you start realizing that time is not unlimited. I don't know when that is, right? Some people figure it out at 10. Some people figure it out at 20. Some people never figure it out. You talk to some old people, they think they're going to live to 200, right? No man knows the day or the hour. When we look at the concept of judgment day, time, Our time is diminishing, and it's going to crescendo on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that we do not have unlimited time. That the time we have to prepare for this day, this judgment day, is very limited, and it's uncertain. It is uncertain. Last week, a pastor of a small church, I received calls, this member is in a a car wreck. This member's dad is in a car wreck. This member's mom went to glory. 
You, you, you see, none of us knows. None of us knows. I was praying for this uh, person this morning that's in their 90s. And I'm thinking, I could be in heaven before they're in heaven. Because I'm thinking, well, they're on the last lap, in the last quarter of the mile. I could be way closer. The time that we have to prepare to present ourselves before the Lord Jesus Christ is unknown to us, but it's unlimited. And it's diminishing. And I would not do manana, manana, manana. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get the degree. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have the kids. I'm going to wait till the kids get out of the house. I'm going to wait till I'm a grandparent. Do not do that. Because it's limited. And he's really coming back. Now, the people that will be judged, as I mentioned, there'll be angels, but there'll be people, all people. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is, there are, there are expressed statements that say Jesus is God, and then there are implied teachings that say Jesus is God. And the word for judgment seat is bemis. Everyone's going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone will be presented before him. The Bible says in Philippians chapter uh, 2, 1 through 11, but I think 9 through 11, every knee will do what and every tongue will do what? Go ahead, say that. So, so, beloved, when Chandler and Caroline profess their faith that they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, Bible true, we're sinners, we only Jesus, how many people do you think really believe that? Like on the planet, like percentage-wise? Like this much. They don't believe. Judgment. Judgment. No, 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 no. Beloved, we, we live in a day when atheism is on the rise. I just watched an atheist last night. Is it Dawkins? Again, when I was a kid, if you were a politician and you were trying to go for office and you said you were an, you were an atheist, you wouldn't win dog catcher. Everybody walked around with a Bible as big as a, as big as a, a, a Toyota because they wanted to, I'm a Christian even though they're on their sixth wife. They didn't know Jesus if he bit him in the throat, but they had to tell people they believed in God. But now everybody and their brother is an atheist. It does not matter, beloved. If you're an atheist, you're going to be before this God. If you're a, a, an atheist that just doesn't have a spine, you're an agnostic, you're going to be before the judge. And for all the people that worship another God, You're going to be before. So everyone, everyone will be before this God and to, to, to uh, receive the judgment. Now, one of the ways that people get around this is, well, listen, I just don't believe that because I'm like a lower creature. I'm like an animal. I don't have a soul. And after I die, I just snuff out like a dead squirrel on the side of the road. How the Apostle Paul will show the foolishness of that is he talks about something which is a little frightening, the resurrection the resurrection of the righteous, and the resurrection of the wicked. Human beings are not cats and, and rats and elephants, as the Irish song goes. We have a soul. We are creating the image of Almighty God. And the soulish part thinks, it emotes, and it wills. And the soulish part of man is eternal. God made it that way. It doesn't matter if people say we're monkeys. We're not monkeys. And when we die, our soul lives forever. And on the last day, all human souls are going to get a body, both the ones that go up and hear you blessed, and the ones that go down. It's this. It is this. 
It's the truth of the resurrection. Now, with what I've been saying all along is this judgment to come, it is the truth of a trial. And I mentioned that God is going to judge the thoughts, the words, the affections, the deeds of all people. If you were to tell this to a person, not a Bible-believing Christian, and I'm not, not, I'm not picking on them. All the people in my family are not this. I wasn't this for the longest time. And you say, well, God is going to judge you. And what, 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 would, what would they say to you? Oh, that's no problem. That's no problem. And why do they think it's no problem? Because they're what kind of people? They're good. And God's going to look into their life, and he's going to find truckloads of good. And what they'll say is, well, I have done maybe a few bad things. <laughs> but God will find massive amounts of good that far outweigh the bad. Remember, this is God. So when God looks at our life, when God looks at Felix, the life of this Felix, remember we said, we said that Felix is this Roman governor of Judea. And later he's going to hire this Sicari, the uh, dagger man, to kill the high priest Jonathan because he doesn't like him. He's getting in his way politically. And so what do you do to political opponents? You kill them. <laughs> That's Felix. And then Felix is actually on white, in this, in, where we're at now, he's on wife number two, and then he sees this woman whose name is Drusilla, but it's really Julia hyphen Drusilla. She's a Jewess, and this is, she's going to be, he's going to be her second or third guy. And he sees her, and she's married to another guy, and he says, Shazam, she is known for her beauty. And what does he say? I make a ton of money. The old one's looking kind of shabby. I need the new one. And then he pulls out all the stops and he gets the new one. <laughs> she dumps her husband, he dumps his wife, and then he goes with her. Not for any good reasons, just for the old-fashioned reason. He wants to get his hands on her, right? And these guys come, be so we have, we have a murderer, we have fornicators, adulterers, I, and just, I, I don't want to say too much. When the Bible will say, these are the folks that won't go to heaven, there are lists of people that don't go to heaven. Always in the top three are fornicators or adulterers. The word for fornication is porneia, the word for adultery is moikeia. They're always in one, two, three is the list. Beloved, just that one sin. Just that one sin. You're a covenant breaker. Well, I never, I did, I never touchy-touchy. It doesn't matter if you touchy-touchy. You looky-looky. This is in Matthew chapter 5. You're, you're toast. You're toast. And so here we have a guy who's a murderer. He's an adulterer. He's a fornicator. They're covenant breakers. They're God haters. They're Christ haters. haters. They're holiness haters. And they're sin lovers. But these are the kind of people, well, if God judges me, he's going to find gobs of good. No, he, he, he won't. And I'm not picking on these people. In 1 Corinthians, I know it's my go-to verse. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. If, if, if you, apart from Jesus Christ, if we stand before judgment day, which we will, apart from Jesus, be honest with yourself. Be honest. Apart from Jesus, presenting his blood in your place, if God were to take his holy law, which he will, because the, the standard is the law. And he's going to say, did you love other gods? Yes. Did you bow down to sticks and stones? Yes. Did you, how about the third commandment? 
Who here has ever taken the name of God in vain? We're done. What about the Lord's Day, the fourth commandment? No Christians believe in the Lord's Day anymore. We're done. What about obedience to mother and father? Katie, bar the door, we are toast. <laughs> right? How many parents, how many kids look at their parents? <laughs> What's the penalty for that? Now, forget about the, the, the sixth commandment. We kill them when they come in, and we kill them on the way out. Well, it's my right to go butcher my baby because it's a divine right, and what are you to take away the woman's right to butcher her own kid? What do you want from me? You butcher your kid? You vote for guys that butcher kids? You approve of people that butcher babies? You're a murderer. You're a murderer. And you're going to stand before God as a murderer. Seventh commandment, eighth commandment, ninth commandment, tenth, all applied by Christ. That's why when we come here, the Apostle Paul is standing before Felix and, and Drusilla, and what is he talking to them about? Judgment's coming. But what's the reason he, bring, he says judgment's coming? He tells them about who? Christ. He preaches Christ to them. This is where, for, for us as converted Christians, we get into a jam. Ooh, uh, uh, ooh, those people are, are homosexuals or they're fornicators or they're, ooh, they're, ah, ooh, get away. That's not the answer. The answer is what? Christ is the answer. God sends the Apostle Paul to people that want to kill the Apostle Paul. Filthy sinners. Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will take the judgment so you can get the mercy. Where would the Apostle Paul go apart from Christ? He, helped, he held the coats of St. Stephen. If you held the coats of a guy that was getting murdered and they caught you, what would the cops do to you? They would kill you. That's called being complicit in murder. He locked up Christians. He hated Christ. He was a proud Pharisee. But Paul comes to Felix and Drusilla. I want you to think of that. Drusilla and Felix. I mean, they're so unclean, it's off the charts. And here's the Apostle Paul who says, I was so unclean, it's off the charts. But God in Christ has forgiven me. And God in Christ can forgive you. And that's the answer for it. And beloved, the application obviously is easy. I don't know how long we have to live. You don't know how long you have to live. Rather than planning our vacation or all these other things, which is not a bad thing, we... We ought to prepare to meet Christ. Most of us go like days, weeks, years, lifetime. We never think about dying and presenting ourselves to Jesus. We never think about holiness, sin, judgment. On the judgment day, if we are found in Christ, all of our sins are paid by him. And we're going to hear, come. But on the judgment day, and this is the really scary part, if we're not found in Jesus Christ, then we're paying for our sin. But it's not that day yet. Today's the day. Today's the day. May God be pleased with the preaching of his word.